0: Welcome to the Forest Grove United Church of Christ podcast, a place where faith and community converge. We are delighted to have you join us on this spiritual journey as we explore the depths of our beliefs, share inspiring stories, and delve into topics that resonate with our congregation and beyond. Our podcast aims to foster a sense of togetherness and encourage meaningful conversations that deepen our understanding of God's love and grace. Whether you are a longstanding member, a seeker on the path of faith, or simply curious about the teachings of Christ, we invite you to tune in, engage, and find solace and inspiration within our virtual sanctuary. Thank you for being a part of our community and for your continued support for the Forest Grove United Church of Christ podcast. And
1: I, uh, what's, what, what touched my heart when you were speaking was when you mentioned the long movement. And I want to share that from a faith perspective, from a Christian faith perspective, Uh, one could say that the long movement goes all the way back to uh, Jesus's call to build and manifest and embody the realm of God against the powers and principalities of this world. I think it's interesting that the instances that you gave of the church functioning as a popular education space and a resistance space were instances and moments when the church was creating Context for humanization, where de- dehumanization was at play,
2: <laughs>
1: and 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 the church was functioning, uh, to uh, operating outside and against the laws of the state, in service to the higher law of God, which calls on us and invites us. The wisdom of Christ indeed invites us to see each other as relatives and as expressions of God, and so any. Any institution or action uh, of dehumanization, like the system of white supremacy, for instance, is in fact a demonic force, and so uh, and therefore needs to be resistance resisted. And so, I appreciate the way you illustrated some moments the church functioned as a, a space of of resistance. And, of course, the efforts of that effort of embodying the realm of God, a society built on the foundation of love, it's bigger than even the institutional church. Those moments, those spaces, you've called them, I think, before, refugarium. You know, those spaces happen in and outside of organized Christianity. But that, those spaces are how and where God is moving in the world from at least from this faith perspective, perspective, that is speaking at this moment. <laughs> Absolutely. I think you already spoke to my next question, which was how, where, where and when there were moments when the church uh, functioned as spaces of resistance to oppression, a way we're trying to participate in in a small way in our own humble way in the dismantling of white supremacy here at the church is in recognition that the the truth telling of uh black history in the united states is always under threat under dominant institutions and structures the i would say the you know the 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 descendant structures and systems of enslaving structures and systems um continue to try to silence that the telling of that history and so uh the church uh in our own way we're trying to participate in the the learning and preservation of black history as a means of dismantling white supremacy so we plan on studying the 1619 project in an effort to equip ourselves with knowledge toward that end so what role have you seen faith communities having in the preservation and sharing of black history and dismantling white supremacy
2: so just like with the other examples that i was using if you don't have the if you don't have the information that you need to be able to take action then you can't take action right so if you have to pass a literacy test to be able to vote, then you have to do, you have to do the learning to get to do the thing, to right? Um, to continue in that action. And of course, that action isn't just, Oh, I'm just going to vote in that case. In the case we've been talking about, the action is an act of resistance. And I would say that is very similar to what you're describing that this is a community of people who is know, um, your, your congregation, uh, and people in the United States overall, I would say that if we really want to be able to effectively confront oppression, and in this case, you know, you've been very specific about, um, in the context of race and white supremacy. So if you really want to be able to confront that and do action of taking it apart then you have to know what it is that you're up against and you don't want to know in a I think you don't want to know in a kind of stock story surface way of what has been kind of given to you the kind of misinformation that then allows allows you to be kind of manipulated and controlled sometimes right but you want to know in a way you want to know in a full way so you want to know the stock story you want to know the concealed story you want to know the resistance story and of course you want to know like the restorative or revolutionary or uh, like more imagined into the future story of what is of what's going to happen right and those things allow you to then go out and create action that works like you don't want action that is not informed you don't want how do you know what you're even doing or operating uh, in relation to if you haven't gone and gotten the information to be able to understand what it is that you're doing and what what it is that you're even talking about what is white supremacy in in fact right how does it you know you can have a definition of it And then, but how does it look on an everyday basis? And how has it existed? Very much on an everyday basis over time, which is history, right? That's what forms and makes up history. One day at a time over a long amount of time. How are people responding or not responding to race? How are people um, using race uh, um how are people being controlled or manipulated using not only the concept but the the controlling controlling the means of being able to tell tell a different perspective about it or tell a different story about it or tell a story about uh someone's culture experience philosophy, way of being humanity from the perspective of that group of people. So I think the 1619 project is one that was uh, created by a group of, I think they were selected or curated, but Black historians. And there's been a lot of controversy around who was included in that and who, who wasn't. I don't think it really impacts the significance and quality of what the information is. And I think it's really important uh, that all communities, but especially I would say faith commu- based communities, be really studying and aware of American history writ large, you know, so not just a people's history. Uh, that we know that we're not uh, as isolated and as segregated as we still are that that's not reality the reality of of american history is multiple histories so in order and that and the the like so me saying that means right if you don't see it that way then the approach of what is normal and what you're seeing is really a white supremacist perspective. Because if what American history is, is only what it exists as right now, as the stock story of like, you know, American history is actually white American history. You know, even the separating of it out as Black history or Native history or Chinese history or this history or that history. Well, all of us are American and all of this history has made up what the United States is.
1: Right, and George uh, Washington, whose teeth were made out of the bones of people he enslaved, did not cross the Delaware River for everybody.
2: <laughs> right. Well, as an ex, for example, right. For example, <laughs> and um. But that you know, as we're you know, so uh, actually, as an example, because we had talked about this whether or not we were going to go into this particular uh topic the the history of or the the new holiday juneteenth right nobody knows really what juneteenth is because it really is being approached in a very hallmark doc story holiday way right like president's day right what the heck is that right so juneteenth There'll be Juneteenth cards now with beautiful black folks on them. There'll be right there'll be right, there'll be all of these things, you know, people will figure out what the what the thing is that you do. And really, you know, in the black community, long before this holiday was established in any way, people would celebrate Juneteenth. But the people who really celebrated Juneteenth were black folks from Texas. And they and they celebrated Juneteenth because Juneteenth was is refers to um, the date that Black folks in uh, Texas were told that the Civil War had been lost and that they were actually emancipated; they were no longer enslaved. We don't really talk about history in a particularly complex way, but of course, uh, it was a we were a Civil War is a Civil War. So the Confederate states of America, which was the South, some of the states had uh, conceded defeat. Texas was the last one. And in Texas, the Black people were not told that they had been emancipated because they had not been emancipated. The Confederate state of Texas had not uh, given up, had not um, surrendered. So even though the the what was considered the overall government of the Confederacy had conceded, Texas had not. And so years after other uh, black folks had been uh, emancipated in the United States, black folks in Texas had not. But when they were, when when uh, Texas was surrendered, and black people did find out they had been uh, emancipated. They, of course, celebrated Juneteenth initially, I think, was called Freedom Day. I think it's also been called Liberation Day. Juneteenth refers to uh, the fact that it was like kind of sometime in June that they found out kind of thing years later. Many Black communities, especially in the deep south, in the Delta Delta region, uh, celebrate Juneteenth through like... uh, uh, picnics, and definitely taking the day off, right, because you're free, you don't have to be working, music, uh, and as it spread later, you know, um, uh, into communities in other parts of the country alongside the Great Migration, then people would celebrate in, and you know, in urban areas. I know different times that I celebrated Juneteenth growing up there might be a celebration and it'd be a cookout and a picnic, but, you know, people would play double dutch, you have a lot of nice music, but it was very much a celebration of, of liberation. And so, I mean, it, it's, it's a, I'm sure, you know, I, I feel like it's a, a great honor of our ancestors that it is celebrated as a, as a federal holiday at this point, but it's also kind of a, um, you know, it's kind of a superficial acknowledgement. I would prefer that the, that the Supreme Court not overturn affirmative action. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying. So, you know, I, I would. There are, there are other things for us to be concerned about. You know what I'm saying? Or dismantle so, the
1: 1964 Civil Rights Act, for that matter, as well.
2: Right. Or you know, really not you know systematically dismantle the Voting Rights Act and all means of, of access to voting for black people for, and for, for everyone really.
1: It's or not mass incarceration
2: people, as well. You know, yeah. so, right. And, and remove people's rights to citizenship and voting after they've committed a felony for the rest of their lives, which means that they are no longer a citizen. So, I mean, there are plenty of, there are plenty of things that. I would like the federal government to do. You know, we can't always be so serious, and you know, and this is a um, it is is an acknowledgement and a sub- celebration of the liberation of enslaved Africans in the United States. So I can I can definitely get behind that.
1: I want to bring us back to um, popular education for for uh, one more question. Mm-hmm. In addition to being an artist, an educator, and uh, you've also been very involved in organizing around education, for instance, I think of an example of your education, probably one of many instances with regard to organizing related to the public school system was your work connected with the Boston busing desegregation project. I know that's just one of many of your efforts with regard to, uh, organizing for education reform from your, based on your understanding of the public school system today as an education organizer, how do you observe the preservation and and learning of Black history, how do you observe that happening in the public school system? Is it happening? How is Black how is Black history being taught in the public school system in your experience today? And why is popular, or is popular education extra important based on how Black history is being taught?
2: So there are a couple of ways that, Black history and many forms of like kind of social justice and resistance and the history of resistance um, is being taught. I I would say one one really amazing resource is a magazine and online platform for educators called Learning Justice. And that is like very much available to to like K through 12 teachers, folks who um, teachers who are looking to be able to develop curriculum, curricular kind of tools and approaches to being able to offer uh, many, a very diverse and equitable and inclusive means of Accessing history and culture, right? So, learn, learning justice is a, a great tool for that. However, let me just say, um, I know you didn't ask me, so that I could say, "Oh, this is a great tool." Why? So, learning justice is a is an it's independent and it's it's not part of any part of the federal or any state educational system. It's it's independent, and so teachers can access it. I'm saying that because I want. I I I have kind of a mission to always be supporting educators in being able to their work, especially in in relation to history and justice. So that's why I mentioned it first. But I'm saying that within the context of of us being in the United States with a school system that public school system that has never really been was never really created to make scholars and not necessarily really created to have people be able to participate equitably in the in a participatory democracy, although often that is what it, it did allow for. Um but it, it allowed for that alongside people and approaches that were doing justice work or resistance work so being able to be literate alongside these movements would allow people to participate and and in, in a democracy and be able to get justice but it wasn't that the school system itself was making this possible um the school system has often been the site of domestication of people and getting people to be able to function within the social stratification that already exists in the United States and not to resist. So, you know, so that's the, that's the public school system, like what it's here for anyway. Now it's here for that, but it has some, even in relation to African-Americans today, instead of just being able to keep people kind of in place and subjugated, it has an even more kind of sinister trajectory in that it, it often is called the the cradle to prison pipeline. So it's it's tracking people and tr- almost training them to be able to go from the cradle into the prison system. So there's that to to look at and to contend with. Teachers who and educators who exist within that system often go in with the idea that they are doing public service, that they have every intention to help and support young people, that they are that they are there, uh, that the money is public, that they are going to go in and they have a mission of teaching young people beyond what is just gonna be poured into their head as what they should. Learn right so those people who are going in with those ideas, whether or not they would label themselves as such, they're coming in with a pedagogy of the oppressed because they do not want to go in and just give people the usual stuff to the usual suspects, they want to go in and they want to engage young people in understanding justice and understanding. Humanity and, and being able to learn beyond what is just scripted for them. State by state, this could be very, can be very challenging, uh, because state by state, people are, are making it impossible for teachers to teach anything except often very conservative white supremacists. Uh, information so and I'm saying that not only in terms of um, science which is often in certain states can be anti-evolutionary but also in terms of the elimination or the continued suppression of black history being taught k through 12 right if you want to learn about black history or or african-american history you can take it as like a secondary subject and now actually not only a secondary subject as as an actually a, a scholarly track um in on college and university level but you can, but there's no there's not a lot of this being taught in schools k-12 so there had been a movement to try to get more history african-american history and black history into schools and the project got pretty far, and uh there was starting to be, a, there had been a curriculum develop, developed on the federal, I think federal level, that was, an it was African American history and culture, and it was an AP level curriculum, and it was about to be dis- disseminated into different schools, and it was blocked. And that's what we're seeing nowadays. We're seeing people, we're seeing, curricular materials blocked. We're seeing so that they can't eat they can't the the classes can't be taught in in the system. We're seeing uh text by African American authors like Tony Morrison, you know, the Nobel Peace Prize winning Tony Morrison, two of her books consistently are banned uh from from the public school system. Uh the bluest eye is one of them and the other is
1: Well, and then, of course, there's the circus of popular public discourse in the cable media where we hear racists caterwauling about Black history being told at all, calling all of it critical race theory. Right, right. All this caterwauling about critical race theory is racist discomfort with the telling of black history at all, oftentimes.
2: Exactly, exactly. Well, and also what's being called black history is American history being seen and told through the lens of the African-American experience in the United States. And that experience is one that can tell a lot, uh, give us a lot of information that's completely counter to what people are fed. What is the basis of capital in the United States? Right? Where'd that come from? All that free labor of millions of Africans that were like forced migrated into North and, and Central and South America. There are lots of th- things that about the, about the constitution and what, was included and not included in the Constitution. Things about the, com- the compromises over almost a 100 year period uh, between maybe 50, yeah, 60 year period from the time that the Constitution is signed until the Civil War, that has been this compromise, 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 compromise around slavery and allowing people to be not considered human while at the same time being counted as human and as populist when it came to uh, putting legislators into Congress. So, I mean, there's just a lot that there is. And is that, is that black history or is that constitutional history or what is that? What about civil war history that is often the purview of some pretty conservative so-called patriotic people But really, if you look at Civil War history in the United States, um, from the Union, from the Union uh, perspective, uh, the Civil War was fought and significantly fought and won based on Black Civil War soldiers being brought in at a time that thousands and thousands and thousands of people had died. And Uh, that Black uh, soldiers uh, wanted to fight and wanted to be uh, self-emancipated within that context. So, I mean, you know, the history, there's a lot of information that, of course, is the history of Africans in America and should be, of course, supported, claimed, and honored by African-American people. But is part of, of the fabric in, of American history and we should all know it is really important for us to know.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Forest Grove United Church of Christ podcast. We hope today's episode has inspired and uplifted you on your spiritual journey. To stay connected with our community, be sure to visit our website at www.fgucc.org. There you'll find a wealth of resources, upcoming events, and ways to get involved. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future podcast topics, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at podcast at and we'll be sure to respond. Stay up to date with the latest church news and church updates by following us on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok. Join our online community and connect with fellow believers who share your passion for faith and justice. Remember, at Forest Grove United Church of Christ... Everyone is welcome, and we're here to support you on your spiritual journey. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to having you join us again next time.